business rock stars. Kelly Kennedy here. And today I wanted to introduce you to my business, Capital Business Development, where we don't just see businesses. We see your potential to change the world. We see your passion, your dedication, and drive to do something extraordinary. And we're here to help you bring that vision to life. At Capital Business Development, we understand that behind every business is a visionary, someone with the determination to make a difference. Whether you're a startup with a big idea or an established company aiming to expand your impact, we're here to support you every step of the way. Our mission goes beyond traditional business development. We're committed to nurturing your dreams and empowering you to achieve greatness. From strategic planning and networking to hands-on support and personalized coaching, we provide the tools and guidance you need to succeed. So if you're ready to transform your vision into reality, look no further than Capital Business Development. Visit us today at www.capitalbd.ca to learn more about how we can help you unleash your potential to change the world. Your dreams matter. Let's make them happen together. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Welcome to episode 30 of the Business Development Podcast. And on today's expert interview, we have Fatima Zaidi of Quill Inc. and co-host. And she is going to teach you why your business may also need a business podcast. Stay tuned. The great Mark Cuban once said, business happens over years and years. Value is measured in the total upside of a business relationship not by how much you squeezed out in any one deal. And we couldn't agree more. This is the Business Development Podcast, based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and broadcasting to the world. You'll get expert business development advice, tips and experiences, and you'll hear interviews with business owners, CEOs, and business development reps. You'll get actionable advice on how to grow business. Brought to you by Capital Business Development, capitalbd.ca. Let's do it. Welcome to the Business Development Podcast. And now your expert host, Kelly Kennedy. Hello, welcome back to the Business Development Podcast. On today's episode, we have an amazing episode for you. Fatima Zaidi of Quill Inc., um, total rock star. Fatima Zaidi is the founder and CEO of Quill Inc., an award-winning production agency specializing in corporate audio and is also the founder and CEO of Co-Host, a podcast growth, hosting, and analytics company. As a member of the National Speakers Bureau, Fatima has spoken at various events around the world on media and tech trends, leading to her keynote speeches on world stages alongside speakers like Gary Vaynerchuk. In addition to being a commentator for BNN Bloomberg on the entrepreneurial challenges that female and BIPOC founders face, Fatima is a frequent contributor to publications including The Globe and Mail, The Huffington Post, and she has also been featured in publications like Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine. Over the past few years, Fatima has won two top 30 under 30 awards, the Young Professional of the Year Award by Notable Life, Vauve Clicquot's Bold Future Award, the Woman in Content Marketing Award, and one of Flair Magazine's Top 100 Women. Outside of entrepreneurship, Fatima teaches at the University of Toronto and is co-chair of the Tech for Sick Kids Council for Sick Kids Hospital here in Toronto, Canada. SickKids Hospital is the second largest pediatric research hospital in the world. She is on track to raise $25 million to construct a new emergency wing of that hospital, 
as well as fund some of the world's largest data and AI projects. Fatima, it's a pleasure to have you. It's an honor to have you. How are you today? Oh, thanks so much, Kelly. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm excited to, to chat. Absolutely. I, I, first off, you know, you know that I, well, my listeners don't know this, but I actually utilized your hosting platform, Co-host. And when I got started kind of looking into the podcast space, something that's important to me as a Canadian, as an Albertan, is to try to find Canadian companies to work with. I like to utilize Canadian companies where possible. Podcasting is kind of one of those spaces that has been very much Americanized, like a lot of the stuff regarding it, I have found at least you know, from my experience in searching looks or appears to be American companies. And when I was looking for a hosting platform that would support us, I was really hoping to find one that was Canadian. And with a lot of digging, I finally got to find <laughs> out that co-host was Canadian. And uh, it's amazing. It's a really, really great hosting platform. Talk to me, like, first off, Quill Inc., how you're a serial entrepreneur. How did you how did you even come up with that? Like what? What gave you the idea? You're Canadian. What what made you decide, you know, what was it, 2019 to be like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to start supporting podcasts here in Canada. So the idea came back in 2014 when Sarah Canning launched season one of Serial, which, you know, hopefully everybody who's listening has listened to the story of Adnan Sayed, who was um, convicted of um, you know, murdering his girlfriend, and they turned it into a narrative storytelling audio format show. And um, I find that that podcast is really what made podcasting a household name. It was definitely a medium that was around before then. I mean, Joe Rogan's been podcasting since the ancient golden years, we call it. But 2014 is really when people started noticing podcast because of that show. At the time, I was running another marketing agency and we did the same thing, um, which is we ran content campaigns for Fortune 1000 brands. And so some of our clients are really interested in dabbling in the medium. And I was like, okay, let's try it. Let's try to create like a podcast. I found it to be a really fascinating medium too, because it's like one of the only formats where it isn't available to traditional advertisers. You can be driving to work and listening to a podcast, but you can't be watching a Netflix show. You can be yeah. walking your dog and listening to a podcast, but you can't be reading a blog. It's such a unique medium where actively being engaged in another activity increases engagement. Yeah. So I said to a few of our clients, let's try it. Let's try um, telling your brand story in an audio format show. Now, the challenge back in 2014 is there was no centralized agency that you could go to that could do it all. Pre-production, production, post-production, post audience growth, marketing. And then there was a the whole data and analytics side of things. Um, there were a couple of agencies, in, in particular, the one that I was like really focused on was Pacific Content. They're owned by Rogers Media, and they're Canadian. They're amazing. Um, but their price point was just too steep. I mean, who, who's gotcha. going to pay that much as like a first test tactic in, in a category that isn't so pronounced, especially not as pronounced as it is today? Um, so I hodgepodged a bunch of freelancers, and we put together a couple of shows, but it was a lot of project management. And I thought, you know... It would be really interesting if we could productize the services that we are currently doing and exclusively launch an agency that just created podcasts because there was a huge gap in the market at the time. Now, fast forward 2019, pre-pandemic, like literally right before the world shut down in March of 2020 is when we decided to launch the agency. 
And um, that is sort of how Quill was born. We launched pre-pandemic and everyone told me it was going to be a risk because the last agency was full service and this one was just podcasting. But um, the pandemic was really, really well positioned for us in terms of a lot of brand experiential budgets going towards you know, virtual tactics. And there was no tactic better than podcasting from like an engaged listener format. Um, so that's how we initially launched the agency and um, started working very quickly with like the RBCs, the Sick Kids Hospitals, the, the Microsoft, the PWCs of the world. And um, it co-hosts the idea about only came a couple of years ago. So we primarily launched as a full service agency. Yeah, so I came across co-host first and then kind of had to do some digging into Quill. And I'll be honest, thank you so much for explaining that because I think uh, I think that for a lot of co-host users, they may not necessarily understand the support services of Quill. I, I see your posts all the time because you guys are very active on LinkedIn. There's always lots of good information coming through for podcasters, which hint for all my podcasters who are listening to this show or looking to get into podcasting. There's lots of support from Quill Inc. Um, if you sign up with co-hosts, there's an absolute ton of information. You guys just signed a deal this week with another company, didn't you? What was that? I oh, saw yes. a post about it. Um, it could have been Jar Audio. They're like a, a, a production company based out of actually Vancouver, and they're amazing. Okay. They create branded content. Um, so we just um, launched them as a customer on our platform. I mean, we, we've been putting, like, there, there's been quite an influx of customers coming our way. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the thing that I see about co-host and Quill is that you guys are constantly looking for strategic partnerships that frankly, greatly improve the platform. And I love that about you. I love seeing the things that are coming up. It feels like every month, there's something new and useful for me to utilize um, with Thank co-host. And, and, and it's great, because I want to stay in that Canadian space. So if you guys are consistently innovating, and bringing me services that can improve my podcast that can that can help my listeners and, and improve everything that we do here. Why would I want to? Ch- I don't want to change. I want to stay with a Canadian service. And I think there's a lot of Canadians listening to this. I know within the Edmonton area here in Alberta, I get I get a reach out a week of people saying, hey, I'd love to launch a show like yours. This is just such a great platform to use. How did you go about doing it? And if we can point them towards Canadian hosting platforms, towards Canadian services, I want to do that all day long. Thank, thank you so much, Kelly. No, I really appreciate that. And I mean, I think that the impetus really comes down to, I look at a lot of these hosting platforms and other softwares that are out there, primarily American, and none of them have actually launched a podcast. And so how do you really know what the pain points of podcasters are unless you've actually launched a podcast? So when we had the idea of co-host a few years ago, it was because the type of clients we're working with, the Fortune 1000 brands, they were looking for like Google Analytics level data and they weren't getting that. And so we said, okay, let's go out and launch our own. And we built the product for ourselves. As an agency, we were the customer. We were the case yeah, study. You knew what you needed. Um, exactly. And Quill, the, the agency, is very complimentary to our product because that's where the learning happens. So you might be excited to know in June, in, in like literally a couple of weeks, we're launching uh, a new feature set. We call it demographic data. So we can show you the age, the gender, the household income, the social media habits, what companies are listening to you profile information of your podcast listeners. Wow. And like that has never really been done before. In fact, I know it hasn't been done before. And the only place that you can maybe find age and gender is the back end of Spotify, but you can't find it across all of your listening platforms. And um, I just found that we needed to keep innovating based off of the pain points that we were seeing on the agency side. So when people ask us, like, how do you decide 
that you're launching XYZ feature and what do you base it on? Well, no, we're the customer. We're creating yeah. podcasts every day on the production side of our business. Like in any month, we're creating at least 30 to 40 podcasts. So that's how we know we're the customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like, I get kind of the same thing. It's like with my podcast, it's very much the business development podcast, we, we very much kind of go into business development tips, we have entrepreneurial interviews, just like this, we try to provide growth tips and like advice to new entrepreneurs and people kind of on the fence about kind of taking that jump of where, you know, kept trying to encourage them and motivate them to uh, take the step into it. Um, but yeah, like every single day, like people, people may or may not know this, I am actually active business development, I own a business development firm called Capital Business Development, I work in business development all the time. So I speak to what I know. And Fatima also speaks to what she knows, you know, like, she operates Quill, but she also has full experience in setting up hosting, launching podcasts, what podcasts need, how to market them. And, you know, why wouldn't you want somebody who's had that experience to be able to create the program you're utilizing, because they're always going to be innovating and thinking about what you need. Absolutely. I think generally speaking, when we do demos for organizations or for agencies and producers, like the first piece of feedback we get is it's very clear that the UX and UI of this product or this product has been built by producers. Like that's the number one thing that we typically get because I feel like the way that we've laid out the product is like, well, what are the things that production folks are looking for? Let's lay out the the UX and UI accordingly. Um, And I honestly just love that, you know, your business is centered around business development. It's like arguably the hardest and most transferable skill set. And so uh, at some point, I'd love to learn a little bit more about the services that you offer as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We can definitely have maybe an off-air chat at some point or when you get some time, we can do that. Yeah, like, I guess my background gives you a real brief one. I've been in business development directly for 12 years. And I've been in sales and business development for 16 plus at this point. It's it's been a minute. We've been doing this a long time, but um, very relationship based. And I think, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was I know that you also have a business development and sales background. So I'm I'm thrilled to have you here because we can definitely kind of spitball when you got quill going what did you find was successful for you to market it like obviously it must have been pretty challenging at first to get people on board i know any type of software can be tough um what were some of the tactics that you used to get quill off the ground yeah so i find interest it's interesting because i've been in the service space for a really long time i would say getting quill off the ground was easier than getting co-host off the ground in that with agencies you need like a few clients to sort of validate your work and then the rest will follow. So for example, RBC was one of the first clients that we closed. And uh, as soon as we closed RBC, the rest of the banks all followed because they want to know who's creating, you know, RBC disruptors and this amazing content. And very quickly, it's, it's almost like they have a sense of FOMO where they just feel like they have to also jump on the bandwagon. So um, I was really lucky, you know, ran another agency prior to Quills. So had a few clients that were willing to give us a shot. And then we slowly incrementally built up a portfolio. In our second year, we also acquired another production agency. Um, and by doing so, we acquired some of their clients as well as their team. And so that definitely significantly catapulted our revenue as well as our client list. And since then, we've just iterated and made sure that we know exactly who we're servicing and how we're servicing them. So um, you know, the big four at the banks, like 
Fortune 1000 brands, like it's very clear what our unique sort of value proposition is. With Absolutely. product, it's really interesting. I feel like it's it's a grind. It takes a really long time to build a product and we're completely bootstrapped. So we've never raised external funding. Um, so we, we can't necessarily accelerate growth as quickly as we want. I would say our secret sauce is like the innovation. Like we are constantly launching features that have never been done before in podcasting. And I think that is what's been driving the influx of sales. So one thing that really gave us a big boost in revenue in March, we launched co-host brands, which shows you what companies are listening to your podcast. Yes, and I saw our- that. Yeah, and our customers are exporting that data and handing it to their sales teams who integrate it with their CRM tools and use it for lead generation and to like build a pipeline for their businesses. And we're moving away from calling podcasting a brand awareness tactic and now moving more towards like what are quantifiable KPIs in which way we can show you how a podcast impacts a brand's bottom line and the ROI of doing so. My opinion on on B2B branded business podcasts is if you don't have one in the next five years, you're going to be in trouble. I, <laughs> I really truly believe that. I believe that the world is really leaning towards businesses need to do a little bit more. They need to do something to stand out. Just doing business as usual is not going to work moving forward. Totally. And, and maybe today you can still get away with that for a little bit. But I think that if you don't have at least an idea for a business branded podcast or some form of of media advertising, I think is a way of putting it, but personal media advertising, I think is a better way of putting it, uh, of being able to kind of showcase who you are. Like if you're the CEO or the president of this company, who are you? Why do people want to do business with you? Are you trustworthy? Uh, Are you knowledgeable? You need to find ways to show that to the world because just having a website on its own, just doing your socials on its own, moving forward into the future, I don't think it's going to be enough. I couldn't agree more. What I always say is just like your business had a phone number in the 1980s, a website in the 1990s and social in the 2000s, the next five to 10 years is the wave of audio. And I think just like, you know, people who are on Twitter in 2007 are by default influencers today. I think that, you know, people who are podcasting today are going to be influencers or organizations who have a podcast are going to be thought leaders in the next five to 10 years. It's like Joe Rogan. Do we think his content is amazing or has he just been podcasting for a really long time? That's right. Everyone knows who he is. And and by default, people want to be on a show because they know who he is. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you're totally on point with that. I really, and, and, and I want you to, to maybe reiterate, I think there's a lot of people who think they're too late they are not even close to too late no we're so early in the hype cycle i mean there's 1.5 billion websites 30 plus million youtube channels 500 hours of content being uploaded every minute i read a stat recently there's 600 plus million blogs so like if you compare it to that there's 2 million podcasts 18% 18% of them are active. So half a million podcasts in comparison to 600 plus million blogs. Like we are so early in the hype cycle. It is not a saturated space by any means. Totally, totally. And you hit the nail on the head. And I think what it is, is that a lot of people started podcasts not recognizing, yeah, it's a little bit of work, right? Like the reality is to keep a good show going, to, to be able to to commit to a schedule, which is really the key to any podcast, you need to be able to commit to a schedule and stick to it, hold yourself to it, have that personal discipline to show up week over week. But if you can do that, it does not take much to end up in in the top 10% very quickly, very quickly. 
That's exactly it. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's consistency. It's consistently posting at the posting cadence that you've selected. Um, you know, honestly, Kelly, I don't really think you need me on your show. You like pretty much know all the chops. You probably just need to do a solo commentary on one episode and teach everyone what they need to do to make a podcast successful. But arguably, that is the most important thing. It's not easy to create a good show. It is not an overnight success. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And That's the right. most important thing is the consistency. Oh, no, we do need to have you on the show. You're a total rock star. And really, you know, there's no one else doing what you're doing here in Canada. There's no question you are a thought leader. You are a leader in, po in the podcast industry, period, period. Are none. I don't care where you're at. You are a leader in the podcast industry. The stuff you're doing with co-host, the people you work with, you know, Allison and Stephanie are amazing. Um, I've had to chat with both of them on multiple, multiple times, just with little things that I needed or just some fixes that I needed, stuff like that. And the response time that you guys have, the customer service you have is next level. First off, next level. Um, they, those two both deserve massive promotions. They're amazing. <laughs> I think so too. It's funny that you talk about that. I just, they're, they're getting a promotion this summer yeah. and I just finished talking to them about it. So your timing is very serendipitous. Yeah. Uh, that is the thing that I'm probably most proud of. Um, funny story with Allison and Stephanie, they were the two co-founders of the production company that we acquired, who's a third okay. one as well, who's also still at our company. Nobody's actually left Quill yet. Um, like everyone, all of our employees have stayed and we're about 25 employees now across North America. And Allison and Stephanie are the OG employees. Like they were, they've been yeah. there since day one. Um, and oftentimes I think when we were chatting about potentially acquiring their company back in 2020, I got a lot of naysayers and people saying it's very risky to acquire this early. Generally, acquisitions don't work out. And I really went against like the advice that was being given and went towards like my gut, which is I really value their product expertise and their production expertise. And um, they are so integral and instrumental to the business today. Like I could not do my job without them. And um, it was one of the rare scenarios where you actually see an acquisition work out extremely well. Um, yeah. So yes, I agree with you. They are amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, acquisitions in general, I, I'm, I'm a fan of them, but I do think they need to be in your wheelhouse. I think too many companies, they step away and they try to acquire something they don't understand or tech it doesn't go with their other products all that well I, i've definitely seen that happen multiple times and i find that if that's the case it's pretty much a guaranteed failure but the reality is the acquisitions that you've made truly just support the work that you were already doing you already understood them you understood how they worked so it was right in the wheelhouse of course i i it should have worked out and um and it has <laughs> And, and I think it, it, it can be risky from like a culture standpoint, but no, they fit right into the culture. In fact, anything, they really enhanced it. Um, and that's, I think, the thing that we're most proud of at the company is we have like a team of really solid folks and um, we're like ruthlessly protective of the culture that we've created. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I mean, I, obviously, I'm not part of your organization. I just I know it from the outside. But from the outside, you guys look like you really got your shit together. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I'll pass along the feedback. I know they'll be thrilled to hear it. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's always been a pleasure. And like I said, I've, I've had lots of kind of back and forth, uh, as it always is, you know, as it always is with any type of software you're working with, there's lots of hey, can you help me yeah. out with this? Or I'm having a challenge yeah. here. And I'll tell you what, whenever I've done that, you know, typically, it's been Stephanie that I've dealt with whenever I've done that. And St Stephanie was like within like an hour of an answer yeah. pretty much every single time, always kind, always on point. And uh, yeah, does a great job at what she does. Customer service at co-host is, is amazing. Keep it up. Amazing. Well, thank you. Yes, we, we wanted to make sure that every 
customer that came on had an account manager that was dedicated to them and that they could get a response within an hour. That is actually a huge pain point that we had before co-host. We were using a, a few other softwares, hosting platforms, and we'd have to email the support line and wait 24 to 48 hours to have someone get back to us on a tech troubleshooting question. And unfortunately, when you publish an episode and it's not publishing or um, there's like a, a bug or a glitch in the system, you can't wait 24 to 48 hours to get no. a response. Our clients are like waiting for their posting cadence not to be interrupted and their SEO patterns not to be interrupted. So uh, that was something when we were building co-host, we were like, we're going to make sure we hold your hand through the process and you feel like we're an extension of your team. I never want somebody waiting 24 hours to get a product response. No, and I never have. It's been it's been very fast. Always, it's always been been rectified to to my satisfaction. I got I got nothing but good things to say. Period. Aw, thank you so much, Kelly. Honestly, I feel like I should put your um, face on a billboard as your quill <laughs> and co-host. Absolutely, I'll advertise. I, I love it. I love it. I got no problems. You know what? If 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 I use it and I love it, I have no problems whatsoever shouting it from the rooftops because there's not enough companies that get recognition for the great work that they do. Thank you. And also, I think it's very authentic if you're an influencer, which you are as a podcaster, to um, only endorse products and services that you actually use and will stand behind. I think about so many um, influencer campaigns that happen day to day. And I'm like, how are you promoting this product if you've never used it? Yeah. How do you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. I feel like at bare minimum, those advertising companies need to at least send them their products so they (laughs) can try it first. (laughs) Because yeah, it's like, how can you speak to something if you haven't used it? Well, that's exactly it. And like, I think podcast hosts need to be really mindful of that because uh, people trust your product recommendations, rightly so. You build such an intimate connection with your listeners. And so um, for me, like the best type of authentic marketing is if you can actually use a product to endorse it. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. There's something else that I totally agree with you on that I wanted to chat about because I think I get a lot of uh, messages of people saying, hey, I want to start a podcast. Like, I think I'm going to incorporate video and all this. And I'm just like, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. You don't need video in a podcast. And I've been saying that now for forever, basically since I started a podcast. And I loved because I was watching a interview that you did a while back and that that topic came up. And The reason that I like to think about it is like, think about where you listen to podcasts, right? You're listening to a podcast driving your car, you're listening to a podcast, maybe when you're doing data entry at work, or when you're just kind of doing mindless tasks. But the reality is, is that you're usually doing something while you're listening to a podcast. So having a video doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's not a video. It's not a podcast. You know, a podcast is an audio format show. If you're doing a video, you're doing a video. Um, And when you add a screen to the content, you're removing that flexibility aspect of it, which is what podcasters are seeking. I am an avid podcast consumer. I listen to about 10 podcasts a week. That is the way that I consume my content. I don't really watch TV. I'm not like a video person. Um, Truthfully speaking, I'm not really a blog person either. Like I consume audio content. And so um, if somebody adds a screen to the podcast and I can't listen to it in an audio format show, I won't be listening to it. I want to be able to be actively engaged in another activity while still getting educated and entertained. And honestly, the proof is in the stats. 94% of people who start an audio episode end up listening to the entire thing. A 30-minute video only has a 12% completion rate. If you know these two stats, why would you add a screen to your content? 
Yeah, I think it's other people pushing the screens, right? Like, I think I think it's, you know, obviously YouTube wants to get more people on YouTube. There's lots of people yes. saying, oh, well, why aren't you adding a video to this? But they're not thinking about where people are consuming a podcast and who is consuming a podcast, right? Obviously, this show is very much a business-oriented show. We inspire entrepreneurs. I know that most of the people listening to my show aren't watching a video. They're, they're you know, they're either listening to it at bedtime, they're listening to it when they have a free moment, they're listening to it while they're working, or they're listening to it while they're driving, especially if it's my business development people, because we're on the road all the bloody time. <laughs> yeah. So, like, why would I, you know, for the, those of you listening, they're like, why don't I have a video? That's why I just, I don't, I've never ever watched a podcast on a video and I just don't ever see the need for one. If I wanted to have a video, I would do a YouTube channel or something. But totally. I, I also find it boring to watch people just talking into a microphone on a podcast. Like, really? Is that the entertainment value that you're after? So it's really interesting because I feel like the proof is in the stats. I mean, 94% of people who start a podcast end up listening to the entire episode, whereas video only has a 12% completion rate. So when you add a screen, you lose the flexibility. If I'm doing monotonous tasks, I want to be listening to a podcast because I want to be educated and informed at the same time. And so I am definitely a huge advocate of video for bite-sized social content. So totally. if you wanted to capture video and do a 30-second TikTok teaser for promotion or a LinkedIn teaser, great. I think video in bite-sized content def definitely has higher engagement. But um, to your point earlier, who wants to listen to two people have a conversation on video for 30 minutes? What's the need? Yeah, I don't I don't understand the drive behind that either. Like I said, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's like we were talking with the previous guest that I had and it's like some people create a product and then look for a problem. I don't think it's really a problem needed to solve. Like I don't think people are out there just can't wait to watch two people have a conversation over a video. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So we're we're completely aligned. And honestly, I think the industry knows it too. When you look at video podcasts and the views they get in comparison to like podcast downloads, uh, there's a pretty big disparity in the numbers. And then in terms of average consumption rate, for sure, audio is king. And so unless you have a very specific reason for wanting to create a video podcast, like your audience is like Gen, like Gen Z or like a very even younger than that, those are the folks who are maybe on YouTube. And so um, great if that's the, if that's the reason because you're creating hyper content hyper-targeted content for um, YouTube than, than under, understood. But I would say if it's just for the sake of being on YouTube, like, no, there needs to be some thought behind that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Know your audience. Know who you're working towards. And know I think your if, audience. You're, if you're in a B2B branded podcast, it's probably not young people. No, <laughs> no, it's probably, yeah, you're not, you're looking at older millennial professionals. And I can That's promise great. you, we are not on YouTube listening to podcasts. No, definitely not. Definitely not. We're too busy for that. Most of the <laughs> yes, it's better to be something to someone rather than everything to everyone. And that philosophy can be sort of transferred in every aspect of creating your podcast, not just whether it's audio or video but even content, even audience growth, even marketing, focus on who your ideal listener profile is and create a community for them rather than trying to appeal to everybody. Oh, Fatima, I, we could have like, we could have like five hours of conversations like this. Like, honestly, I would love to pick your brain for more time. I know we're on a really tight schedule today. You're incredibly busy. Um, I do want to ask you a few things regarding just just starting a podcast. The reason being is that most of the people listening to my show, they're either business owners, they're entrepreneurs, they're on the fence about starting a business. But I know a lot of them have had a question about, hey, I really like this podcast. I think this is something that my business can do. How does one even get into that? And I know for me, it was a lot of trial and error, a lot of Googling, trying to figure it out. But heck, yeah. I got a podcast expert on here. 
would you have some advice for those people that are maybe on the fence or maybe looking to start their own podcast, just have no idea where to start? What would you tell them? Yeah. So first I would say, make sure that you try to focus or hone in on a content where you have like subject matter expertise and try to find like a niche topic. It's funny, the clients that are mine that are probably doing the best in terms of the reach as well as the average consumption rate of their show are like the ones that have created a natural community around their content. Um, I had somebody approach me a few years ago, actually right at the beginning of Quill launching, and they wanted to create an open banking podcast. And I said to him, I was like, who's going to listen to a podcast about open banking? Like, is that, is there a community for that? It's, it's one of our most popular shows. We get fan mail about our, our client. And so he's like literally a celebrity in the world now. And I was wrong. And I think it's interesting because it taught me a very valuable lesson that day. Podcasters are seeking out your content. So no matter how big or how small your audience is, these folks are highly qualified to be interacting with your brand. And so you're only reaching people who are interested in listening to your content and you're not going to reach people who aren't interested. So um, if you can find a, a topic that's niche enough where there's a community around the world that would tune in and there's no competitors. So if you're creating a, another, you know, B2B interview style show that's focused around top tier successful companies, then you're competing with the how I built this is of the world. If you're yeah. doing a cybersecurity tech hacking podcast, you're competing with the reply alls of the world news, you're competing with the dailies of the world, try to find something where you are the subject matter expert, and is a niche enough topic where you can create your own community. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. When I started the business development podcast, at first, when I was kind of thinking about it, I was like, okay, like, what would I talk about? But the more you dig into it, you realize, you know, an absolute ton, you know, a ton about the subject, especially if that's your career, that's totally. your industry that you've been in a long time, you have stories, you have experiences, you have what worked and what didn't work. I get to have interviews with people like you who can kind of say, yeah, this is how we did this. These are some of the challenges we faced. Um, maybe don't do this. Like, there's more than you think, believe me, like if you're if you're on the fence right now trying to think like, what in the world would I talk about? Believe me, there will be lots to talk about. Well, that's exactly it. And then my second piece of advice would be don't use Zoom or other conference lines that aren't optimized for podcast sound quality, because it's about the user experience. And one of the first touch points they have with you is your sound quality. So highly recommend platforms like Riverside, which we're currently using right now, or Squadcast. These platforms are very much focused on podcast audio sound quality. Platforms like Zoom, while we may be comfortable with them because we use them day to day for work, they are conference lines. So when you export your your audio, it actually distorts the the quality of the of the content. So think about the user experience. Think about the first touch points that you have with your user, your cover art, your the title of your show, your your yeah. audio quality. Like these are all things that you're going to have to think about. And then honestly. Um, the other thing I would say, and, and this is something we've already talked about, is that there's no such thing as instant gratification. The success of your podcast is like building your brand or building your company. It's no different. And so it's going to take some time. It's a marathon. And the key is consistency. Uh, so don't quit. And I think that is really frustrating to see that 18% of podcasts are active because podcasters give up so easily because they're not getting that overnight success. And it really is a medium that takes time. 
Yeah, it is a commitment. It is a commitment. And I think for a business too, it's important to look at it as an advertising expense, right? Like the reality is you can charge this advertising expense to your company. And it's actually not that much like compared to other types of advertising. Sure, you have your initial equipment cost, you got to kind of set up a few things like Riverside or co host. But once those are kind of done, and you get into a cadence, okay, this is how this works. This is how we put this together. It's not for the value you get from it it's not actually that expensive. It's probably one of the cheapest advertising avenues you could go down and one of the best for your company over time. Yes, 100%. I would say um, arguably a much more sustainable strategy than a one to two minute TV ad or other traditional advertising methods. And yet still we hold a fraction of the budgets that these other categories get. And so I think if you have a video content strategy, if you have a newsletter, if you have social, then a podcast is probably the next natural step. And especially if you already haven't built an audience for your brand. And if you get it right, you will never find an audience more engaged than podcast listeners. Oh, totally, totally. And the connection you build to like my favorite podcasts, I look forward to them every single week. And I thought about it from that standpoint, when I when I created this podcast was, I want to make something that people look forward to that people enjoy that they find a lot of value. And I think that's the other side is make sure that no matter what your episode is, make sure that there's some value in it for your listeners. Don't just ramble about stuff that you did this week. You know, bring something that they can walk away with and say, huh, I didn't think about that before. But yeah, I think I'm going to implement that in my business or find a way to bring some type of value, some hope, some inspiration to your listeners. And I think you'll have great success. Well, you just said something that I want to touch on, which is you, your favorite podcast, you look forward to them each week. And I think that's really important to understand. It's no different from Netflix or Amazon Prime or Crave or Apple, where you know when your favorite shows are dropping. Podcasts are no different. So with that, remember, if you pick the second Wednesday of every month at 5 a.m. to drop an episode, you should stick to that posting cadence. Another hot tip about starting branded podcasts because um, like Kelly, your audiences are really waiting for that content to drop. They build a pattern with your posting cadence and it's a very disappointing user experience if you are expecting an episode to drop and it doesn't drop. It's actually very amateur to see an episode dropping on a Tuesday one day and then three weeks later on a Friday, like there's no consistency in rhythm. That That is another like really important tip in terms of like, how do you podcast? Well, yeah, there's the secret to anything. And I don't care whether it's podcasting, whether it's business is to be consistent and and show up consistently week after week. And that doesn't matter whether you're marketing your own business or whether you're marketing a podcast. Think about it, you have to show up, you have to set yourself a schedule, and you have to be self motivated to make sure that you are continuously meeting that schedule. But if you do, it's just a matter of time. It truly is. It's just a matter of time until you get the results that you're after. Totally. That's exactly it. You just, yeah, like I said, Kelly, I feel like you know, you know what it takes to create a good podcast. And um, I, I, it's really nice to see that you've done all the things that I would recommend, like your equipment setup and the software that you're using and the questions that you're asking. And um, I've listened to a couple of your episodes and I will say like, it's, it's very impressive. Oh, thank you. I really and and by the way, thank you so much. It was a total honor to win an award this week from Quill Podcast. Like just next level. We won Best Business Podcast 2023. And I'm incredibly honored. That is that is a big deal. And thank you so much for considering us. Thank you. It is a big deal. And I have to preface that by saying we do not do any of the judging. So we organize the awards and we host them. But we purposely choose industry critics and experts to be the judges. Um, For many reasons, we're a production agency, we obviously can't put forward our clients, we cannot 
like participate in each category. And we wanted the, we wanted all of the awards to be incredibly authentic and uh, no monetization tied to it. And the reason we launched the Quote Podcast Awards is we were so tired of seeing the same companies and the same shows winning. And ironically, a lot of the companies that won awards for like the Ambies or the Webbies were also the sponsors of the show. So we thought it was a little bit disingenuous that the sponsors of the show were also winning the awards. So we were like, let's launch a category that is no monetization. So we, you know, are making or not benefiting from this at all. And it's purely to highlight independent content creators who are doing great work, but may not necessarily belong to the big networks like Gimlet and NPR and Wondery. Um, and so the judges that we choose are completely um, ob- like objective to the actual categories. Um, so whoever picked you, we had no say in whether or not you were to win. But we were so yeah. happy to see that you did win. It was so cool. I almost fell out of my chair. I was so excited. And let me just preface this by saying, all of you who nominated me, you guys are amazing. I love you. Thank you so much for doing that. I, It was honestly, I, I kid you not, I nearly, I was at work that day. I was actually at one of my client's sites when I got the email from Allison and I nearly fell out of my chair. I, <laughs> I had a smile on my face the whole day and it, it is truly an honor to win an award like that. Thank um, you. For this podcast. Thank you so much. Yes, of course. It honestly means so much to us. And I love that the awards are highlighting independent creators who are doing great content um, and just don't maybe necessarily have the opportunity to, you know, showcase their work like some of the multi-million dollar production budget. So um, we're really happy to play a really small part in that. And um, it was really, it's always so heartwarming to see every winner's reaction, which is very synonymous to yours, where it's like, I can't believe I won. Like, I never expected this. And, and you should expect it because it's great content. Yeah, thank you. That you still, you know what, like podcasting, and I'm sorry, I know we're, I know we're on a tight timeline here. But podcasting is so much of a, I don't want to say thankless, because I get lots of awesome fan mail, I get lots of, but it's very hard sometimes from this chair from my little tiny studio to see the effect that we have on the world. But it's a gigantic effect. Like the reality is, if you get up behind one of these mics, and you create a show, you are you are affecting the days of a lot of people, even though it's hard for you to see that from from your little studio? It's it's like being a CEO. It's a very thankless job. It's like being a founder. All oh. of the sacrifice, you, you put up with all of the S-H-I-T, you, but it's the most thankless job because like nobody turns around and asks you how your day is going. Nobody asks you what the pain points and challenges are. You're expected to fix all the problems and keep all the lights on. It is the most thankless job. So you have to have tough skin and podcasts podcasting is no different. Honestly, it's it's like building a business. Building a podcast is like building a business. It's like very, very similar. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Fatima, it's been absolutely amazing having you. I just want to say you are an inspiration to women everywhere. The work that you're doing, next level, next level. And uh, I'm proud that you're a Canadian. I am proud <laughs> that you're the one doing this work here for Quill. And I think Quill and co-host have an incredibly bright future here. I'm excited to see what comes next. I, you know, I mean, obviously I'm, 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 uh, I'm invested, right? I want to know, but I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to see what comes next from co-host and Quill. And, uh, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you today, or if they have any questions, um, what's the best way for them to reach you? 
Thank you again so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. And yes, very proud Canadian. This country has given me a lot of opportunity. I moved here in 2007 and um, I'm so glad that I chose Canada to, to start over. And um, in terms of finding me, I'm I'm pretty much everywhere. You can find us at quillpodcasting.com or cohostpodcasting.com. And then we're on all of the social media channels except for TikTok. So you can pretty much find us anywhere. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, it's been such a pleasure. This has been a chat with Fatima Zaidi of Quill Inc. and co-host, um, serial entrepreneur, total rock star, helping the world, doing great things. It's a total pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. And Thank until you. next time, we will catch you on the flip side. This has been the Business Development Podcast with Kelly Kennedy. Kelly has 15 years in sales and business development experience within the Alberta oil and gas industry and founded his own business development firm in 2020. His passion and his specialization is in customer relationship generation and business development. The show is brought to you by Capital Business Development, your business development specialists. For more, we invite you to the website at www.capitalbd.ca. See you next time on the Business Development Podcast. Business Rockstars, we at the Business Development Podcast humbly invite you to be part of our journey. Despite our global reach spanning over 130 countries and our status as an award-winning show, we remain committed to delivering valuable insights and engaging content to our audience of decision makers. With two episodes released every single week and a back catalog of over 100 episodes, we strive to provide our listeners with the latest strategies and trends in business development and business growth. Why consider sponsoring us? Our listeners trust us to deliver authentic, informative content, making it an ideal platform for you to showcase your brand in a genuine and meaningful way. Choose from flexible sponsorship packages tailored to fit your advertising needs. With a back catalog of over 100 episodes and an average of eight new episodes released every single month, there are plenty of opportunities for you to connect with our audience. If you believe that your brand aligns with our humble mission, Reach out to us at podcast at capital bd.ca. Let's start a conversation and explore how we can collaborate to elevate your brand together. Thank you for considering us. Send us an email at podcast at capital bd.ca and let's partner for the future.